I could tell, you know, he was just waiting for me to hand in my resignation. And I could see the look of relief on his face when all I did was ask for a 20% raise. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that is unapologetically you and then go get it. If you feel like you were meant for more and you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's something you might have experienced before. You've decided it's time to ask for a raise. And even though you've prepared for this moment and you know that you're more than deserving, you still have a pit in your stomach. Your palms are sweaty. Your throat feels like sandpaper. Some anxiety has likely crept in and you've overthought this moment way too much. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're like most people. Most people, in fact, almost everybody never asks for a raise. And when they do, they ask in a way that doesn't allow their employer to say, yes, yeah, we would love to do that. In fact, we'd be silly not to do that for you. And the reason that most of us never do is because we're afraid of getting turned down. We're afraid of making things awkward or even offending our boss. And then the ultimate fear is that, <laughs> well, you'll walk back from your boss's office without a job, which by the way, almost never happens. Most high achievers have been in this situation a time or two, and it's never a super fun experience for almost all of us. But what if I told you that it could be? What if I told you it could be an amazing experience? What if I told you that it could completely change the dynamic of asking for a raise and even better the relationship with your boss and the other people that you work with? What if you could approach this situation with a lot fewer nerves and the conversation could feel just like any other collaboration at work? It's not really that, that you're being greedy. You're just asking for what you're worth because ultimately, you know, you're probably working at your job to make money. You know, hopefully you like what you do at the same time, but, you know, hopefully you're also getting paid what you're worth. That's Justin. He's an engineer who came to us for help when he really wanted to negotiate a raise with his company. But he was nervous about it because he thought that in order to do that, he'd have to go out and get other offers from other companies in order to have leverage. And that felt disingenuous to him. He didn't want to transition out of his company. He actually really loved his company, but he had that fear in the back of his mind, like many people do. And if he approached his boss about a raise, that he would end up rocking the boat. Well, you'll hear how Justin realized that he was actually the one holding all of the chips in this negotiation and how he set himself up confidently to go in and ask for an even larger raise than he initially thought he wanted. Okay, so here's Justin talking about the predicament that he was in when he approached us at HTYC. I've been with the company I've, I've worked at for almost 10 years. Yeah. And I've changed jobs twice before that. You know, so I worked somewhere for two years and then I worked somewhere for about four years and now I've been here for 10 years. And normally those events where you have the large pay increase are when you have two companies that are sort of fighting over you. You know, that's when you see these big 10, 20% pay increases. And after 10 years, I kind of felt like, hey, like this is really time for me to 
to, to look into this, but I don't really want to change jobs. I'm, I'm pretty happy where I'm at, but I know if I went and found another job, I might get a pay increase. And I had already done that once at my current job. About four years in, I essentially like went to my boss and kind of with no coaching or anything like with my tail kind of between my legs, just kind of like, (laughs) I think I've done a good job. And can I, and I think I got like a two or 3% raise on top of what I normally get, which was, which was great, but it, it still wasn't really this big event where it was, Oh, like you're changing jobs and it's a 20% raise or 30% or whatever. And I, was contacted by a recruiter about another local job a few months before I contacted you guys. And we kind of went down the path of of talking about the job and talking about the pay and the benefits. And I guess for a little bit more backstory, like I, I have a pretty good pay and compensation package for where I live. Normally recruiters will come talk to me and then I'll tell them, what it would take to get me to leave. And they're like, oh, we can't touch that. So it's not like I was underpaid going into this process. Yeah. It was just that there aren't a whole lot of people in the area that, that do what I do. And I knew that I could probably make more if I had another job offer. So while talking to the recruiter, I was like, well, I'm, I'll go interview. I'll, I'll talk. I'll go down this route. But in the back of my head, I was like, I don't really want this job. Like, I really just want a job offer so I can go in and and renegotiate with my current job. And that kind of led me down the path of all the things you think about, like, is this the right way to do this? Like, are they going to look at me different? What if they just say, okay, thank you. We're not going to renegotiate. Then I have to say, oh, well, I was just kidding anyway. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, April Fool's. So that kind of prompted me to to contact you guys, you know, and I, I think I, I kicked it off with just an email because I'd listened to the podcast before and it's like, hey, like, here's my situation. I have a recruiter that's talking to me. The job is interesting. I wouldn't be upset if I ended up doing it. You know, after 10 years, it'd be nice for a change. But at the same time, I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at. Really, I just want a good reason to, to renegotiate. And then we kind of went through all the the ways we can handle that and ended up not pursuing the recruiter more. Just well, let me of- ask you about that part. I think that's <laughs> yeah. something that, as I remember some of the email exchanges you had with myself and our team, and one of the things that you were, he- I'll say hesitant about is most of the time, you know, with the exception of this one recruiter, most of the time you had gotten the response of, wow, we can't even touch that, which you said earlier, right? And it seemed like that colored a little bit of whether or not this type of renegotiation was even possible. So tell me a little bit about how that how that went in your head and what were some of your thoughts about that? Yeah, well, it's interesting because I work at a company that is is pretty healthy financially. They could afford to pay me whatever whatever they wanted to pay me essentially. And so that's where I kind of came up with the thought of, okay, well, like I, I would be hard to replace in this, in this area. It wouldn't be impossible, but you'd certainly be kind of, it, it'd take them a while to find somebody and also bring them up to speed with nearly a 
decades experience and, and knowledge and everything. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty valuable in any industry, especially in, in an industry like where the turnaround seems to be a lot. You know, most tech jobs, I've looked at resumes and people move around a lot. Two to three years is like max people ever stay somewhere. You're like a dinosaur if you stay three and a half years. Right. That's what it seems like. And which is crazy to me because it seems like just the first the first year is just trying to figure out how the heck everything works. And then the second year is just trying to implement that. And then after that, you can finally start to really contribute. But my, my background is both hardware and software and like really, really low level, like firmware, mm-hmm. which not a whole lot of people do all of those. Absolutely. And it seems like there are a couple of elements here that created a lot of value for the organization. And I, w- I almost look at this every time we are helping someone negotiate in any situation, we're looking at what are the what are the value creators or what are the assets here? What are the things that the organization would not want to give up? And whether someone's just starting a new role or whether they've been in a role. In, in your case, I think what stood out to me as we initially talked to you, it was that you already had a great relationship with your boss and your boss's boss and even your boss's boss's boss. And those were already in existence and solid. You already had a track record of performance in your case, it was longer than most because you'd been with the company for a while. But you know that's something else that has to be there for this to work. It's almost like a prerequisite for everything else to happen afterwards. And right. you did such a great job with those two pieces that I knew that for you, it would be very possible to have these types of, of conversations that would lead to some of your goals with changing your salary without having to go back in uh, without, without having to go in, as you said, you know, go get the other job. Yeah. So my long-term goal is to retire early. So hopefully in six or eight years, I'll have saved enough money to just sort of draw what they call a 4% rule and, and live a life where I'm not sort of chained to my desk and I can work if I want to work and not work if I don't want to work. But just being that I'm sort of probably a third of the way down this path, I've got a little bit of money saved up. And one of the terms that people use is FU money. (laughs) So (laughs) it's sort of the, and it's different for everybody, but you know, for me right now, I have enough money to where if they just fired me today, I could probably be okay for two or three years. And that's not really what I want to do, but having that sort of in my back pocket really helped, I feel like, because I'm not fearful of losing my job. Like if I lost my job, I know I would be okay. I would know I would find another job at some point, even if it took me a year, like I would be financially okay. And that was really powerful because I feel like a lot of people sort of put a lot of weight on their job. And if they don't have good savings, then they take the wrong attitude, I guess, with their employer. And they're, they're very thankful to have their employer and they're not really looking at it from the opposite end of like my employer should be really thankful for having me. It's hard to think about it that way for many people. But two things that you, maybe three things actually that you called out, I think are really almost critical in 
this type of situation. One thing that I can't agree with more that people don't really think about or spend a lot of time talking about is that if you have done a great job saving any kind of emergency money, whether you call it FU money or anything else, and you have any kind of cash, that causes you to make different decisions. It causes you to take, well, I wouldn't even call what you, I mean, there is some risk to what you did, no doubt. However, it causes you to be able to make different decisions and assess risk differently, which is, I think is something that because you had done such a great job putting money away and, and taking care of yourself financially, it caused you to be able to make different types of decisions and look at things differently. But the other piece too is you did a really great job with being able to, how shall I put it? Being able to take, take an otherwise great situation and recognize that there is opportunity to do do something different and begin to even even question that and having that mindset that you mentioned where it's like hey they they're they're lucky to have me in this case i think that's really very very helpful to begin to question what might happen differently so nice job on one hand. And then two, I know we're going to get in and talk about like what actually happened, but I think those are two pieces that allowed everything else to happen that are undervalued when people look at this. Yeah. And like I said, probably about four, four or five years ago, I went in and, and asked for a raise. I mean, my heart was pounding. I was nervous. And this was much different because I was prepared for anything. Like if they were... You know, if I didn't get the response I wanted, I, or if they just said, you know what, we don't think you were doing as well as you thought you were doing, you're fired. <laughs> I would be <laughs> like, I was prepared for any of that. And I guess removing the fear of failing was the really key in all this, just because it wasn't really the case where if I did fail, then, well, I'd lose my house and my car and my kids would wouldn't be able to go to college and it, it would it would be a little setback but i knew i was prepared and ready ready for anything and this is so interesting because i think that in most of these cases where we've worked with people and been on one end or the other or in cases where i've gone and done this myself or members of our team have gone and done this and we're in the first hand you know sitting in the chair it's so rare that that is going to happen. What you just described uh, about, hey, <laughs> I'm going to go in and ask. And they're just going to say no. And on top of no, they're going to remove opportunities from me, like my job. Like that right. is something that just rarely, rarely happens. And you'd have to, uh, have to really, really ask in an offensive way or for something terrible to be going on at the organization at the same time or in your boss's life for it to result in that. It's just so un likely that said right. still still possible and that tiny little bit of possibility uh, rare, but, but people know people who when i mentioned i'm gonna ask for a raise or whatever yeah. and they're like, oh like why would you ever try to rock the boat and just human psychologies is interesting because if, if you're not prepared for that emergency then it always feels like it is just impending doom so that's that's really interesting. It sounds like you as you were having conversations about that, you got some of the, some responses like, "Oh my goodness, why would you rock the boat?" 
Did you get any other types of responses as you were talking with others about your your plans to ask for a raise or renegotiate? Yeah, I mean, I had kind of responses all over. I mean, I, I hadn't really spread the word a whole lot, but I mentioned it to another guy I work with, and and he was pretty confident I would get a raise, maybe not necessarily what I was asking for, which we didn't really talk numbers exactly. But kind of like the first time I went in, he was like, yeah, you could probably get like another two or 3% on top of what you normally get, which is kind of the, the, the way to appease someone and make them go away, raise like, okay, here you go. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for asking. Don't talk to me about it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. But it, it definitely was interesting to kind of evaluate how everybody looked at the job market and how people respond to just trying to determine their market value. Like that, that was interesting to me. So as you think back to the beginning of this process, what were some of the biggest questions that you had or concerns that you had going into this process where you were trying to think about like, how do I even do this? How do I approach this, especially in a different way than what you had done four or five years ago, where you got the the paltry, you know, <laughs> here's a, let me throw you a bone type, uh, type raise two or 3%. Right. I think the, the biggest struggle I had was trying to decide whether I should go have another job offer in hand or not, because I felt like I was a really good negotiator, but only if I was holding all the chips. And the only way I could picture myself as holding all the chips is if I had this other offer in my hand and I was like, hey, look, like I can leave today and go bank this at this other company. It took a lot of coaching, as you know, <laughs> for me to kind of realize, wait a minute, like, I'm already holding the chips. I just have to know how to use them. And I have to convince myself that I I could go get this somewhere else, even without an offer in hand, which in the long run, I think worked a lot better than if I actually were to get a job offer. Like I, I feel like we did the right thing just because we talked a lot about going into the negotiation as a partnership with your boss. And, and that was really beneficial because if I were to just run in and say, you know, look, this company down the street's going to pay me 15% more, give me more than that, or I'm going to leave. It's a very standoffish attitude that, that both parties are taking. Your boss feels cornered and, and then you might get looked at differently. I don't know. There was a lot that even though that's sort of the way the market normally handles it, it just didn't feel right to me. So I really like the approach of going in and saying, look, here, here's what I could make. And you and I both know I'm qualified for all these jobs. And here's what I want. So how can we make this happen together? So I don't have to go look for another job. And I don't have to come in here with the job offer to wave in your face and threaten you with. <laughs> like I think everybody appreciated that approach more. I think the... As you're sharing, hey, here's some of the question, biggest questions that I had. One thing that stood out to me when we started, started interacting with you and trying to understand some of your goals and 
how what you might be asking for throughout the process of negotiating an increase would tie into your long-term goals and the ways that you wanted to do it. The biggest thing that stood out to me is you're really uncomfortable with this idea that you mentioned of going and getting the job only to negotiate an increase. Like that seemed out of your normal integrity, like the way that you live everything, the rest of your life, like that was just like totally implicitly outside it. And it seemed like the only reason you were considering it is it what it felt like you had to do. Is that yeah. a fair assessment? Yep. Yeah. I think it depends a lot on your organization. The last company I worked for, I definitely felt like, you know, they made me counter offers for me to stay. And then I ended up not staying. Because I did feel like, hey, they're trying to get me to stay right now, but they're going to push me out as soon as they can, or I'm going to be looked at differently. And I think it depends a lot on just the, your, the dynamics of the organization and, and how they treat people. I don't necessarily feel like that would be the case where I am right now, just because it's a bigger company and finances and people are sort of more removed. The previous company I was with was a smaller company. So if the CEO is agreeing to a raise, that's like a dollar out of his pocket. So it's more, they're more directly seeing the the hit of finances on them personally. Justin, when you think about this process and you think about the work that you did to be able to make this happen for yourself and with this organization, what were some of the first things that you remember doing as we went through the process with you? Well, the biggest thing was you being so convincing that I could go get another job somewhere else and then going and looking and seeing what other jobs are available. You told me to spend like an hour. I probably spent like 10 or 12 hours <laughs> over the course of a, a couple of weeks. But it was nice because in the process of looking for other jobs, which it's hard to find job postings that actually list salaries, right? And yeah. so just by default, most of the jobs don't list a salary, but just the ones that did list the salary publicly, I was able to find a dozen jobs that, that paid significantly more than what I made now that were remote and also things that would be not they would be interesting for me to do. Maybe not necessarily. Uh, you always take a gamble when you when you change companies because you don't really know the health of the company and whether it's going to be around in 10 years or two years or three years, which was what I was trying to avoid by not changing jobs. Is It's like, I know I'm at a job where I've been there almost a decade. I could be there for another decade easily if I wanted to. But just convincing myself that these jobs are out there and I could go get them right now. That was, that was really probably the biggest step because once I got that mindset that, Hey, like I could go get one of these jobs today. That was kind of when the game changed. And then you kept pushing me, you know, I, cause I, I think I, I came out with what I was going to ask for and it was, it was, you know, I think about 15% or so more than what I, what I made. And you kind of kept pushing me up. And I think we finally landed on about 20% more because <laughs> you kept kind of nudging me to say, hey, ask for more. <laughs> like you can get it. <laughs> 
that was definitely eye-opening, I guess. Was that an uncomfortable part of the process for you? A little bit, yeah, because you 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 want to ask a number that doesn't seem crazy and, and you want to ask a number that, you know, one is is beneficial to you because that's that's ultimately why you're asking for a raise is because this is how I'm compensated for the job I do. But two, you don't want to ask a number that's so high that they just kind of laugh at you and and kind of dismiss it as whatever, like that's impossible. But I think the the way we kind of structured the ask and the documentation and everything to go with it really, really helped kind of drive that home. But it, it definitely was like uncomfortable trying to decide what to ask for. Because it's 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 easy when you have an offer in hand from another company. You say, "Hey, look, like they're offering me ten percent more. You can either match that or you can go more." Like it's not really in your hands. You're just saying, "This is what I could get with this other job offer." Like not having that offer in my hands, like definitely made it uncomfortable. What helped you? be able to move through the process let's just for really helping bring everybody else into this process really quick if we were to divide this into steps step one for you really was about let's figure out what your assets are right and we talked a little bit about that earlier but you did you have such a great relationship with with your everyone who has a vested interest with you there already you have this track record of success and on top of all of this you have a variety of experiences and skill sets that just are a very unique combination. And I think lots of people have these, but don't necessarily realize it. But in your particular case, you acknowledge that like you get sort of the software and hardware side and everything in between that makes it jive together. But then step two for you was really about, okay, what is the strategy for how we go about asking and it really made sense for you to not involve other jobs in the process because that was outside of your integrity and do so in a way that was very much inside of your integrity and figure out what's the game plan and strategy for how we're going to do that. And I think you and I had decided that it would be a series of conversations where you approach it from, hey, I could go and do this. I could go and get another job, but I respect you too much to be able to make that. Like you could go and do that and waste everybody's time when my goal is to stay here in the first place. Right. right. Yeah. Which, you know, which is the truth. That's basically just, it just boils down to figuring out how to, to word that in a way that gets their attention, that gets their attention the same, the same way you having another job offer would anyway, because so I'm trying to think the most, the most powerful thing in this whole process, I feel yeah. like was when we sort of decided what to do is so so my steps to kind of backtrack a little bit so i came up with a, a proposal for compensation and and then you kind of ripped it all up and said hey <laughs> like move this around and change this and do all this which and so after a few iterations of of back and forth with you we had a pretty decent multi-page proposal in hand. And then the fact that I simply called my boss and said, Hey, like I have something that's really, really important to me to talk to you about. And I'd like to do that in person sometime in the next three or four days. You have time on Thursday or Friday. I think it was a Thursday ultimately. 
but I called him on Monday and I didn't tell him anything else. And then, and he didn't really pry, but setting the conversation up like that, I feel like was really powerful because I feel like it flipped who was nervous. (laughs) It did. Right. Because normally I would go in and say, Hey, can I, you know, I'd like a raise and I'd have done a really good job. And, and I'd be the one whose heart was pounding and who was nervous. And when I went in on Thursday and met with, with my boss, you know, I was slightly nervous leading into it, but not nearly as nervous as I was before. And I could tell he was just waiting for me to hand in my resignation. And I could see the look of relief on his face when all I did was ask for a 20% raise, which was like amazing because normally (laughs) you would say that and they'd be like 20%, like whatever. (laughs) But just for, for him to sort of sit back and, and I know that he also talked to his boss and they sort of already knew something was up and we were meeting for, for, for an important reason. But, but for them to sit there and think, okay, well, like he's probably handing in his resignation or he has another job offer for a few days. It kind of puts them in that mindset of, oh, like this is what it really could be like if he did leave. And, and framing the conversation where I was not the nervous one, really like, I feel like that was probably the most important thing out of this whole process. I think that's really interesting and powerful. And without getting into every element of the psychology that we use with that particular strategy, which is not right for every single person under the sun, but I think it really, really was very effective here because it did, it put them in that emotional state where they had to consider one, (laughs) that it's a possibility that something could be disrupted here. And then they run through all the things in their mind about what that could be. Now, the unfortunate part is you don't really get to control any of the thoughts that go through their head. And in this case, that was actually helpful to the process. I would never recommend inflicting pain on people for manipulative purposes, but it allowed you to be transparent with what was going on here in all the ways that you could leading up to it while still being helpful to the process, both for them and for you. Consequently, it also initiated them to start planning, well, what could we do in the background without you even having to ask? So overall, I think it was really very, very good. The other thing it is it did that might not be obvious here is it opens them up when you come and say, hey, I want to approach this as a partnership. I really want us to figure out together like how we could make this possible. How could we get me towards this 20%? What would it take in asking those types of questions? Now they're open to it in a completely different way than what they might've been if you just showed up randomly on a normal Tuesday and said, hey, so uh, can I talk to you about a race? That'd be cool. Completely, completely different. Um, Anything else that as you think about this process for what worked really effectively for you or what helped make it easier for you that stood out for you? Another one of the things was, and it's going to be different for everybody, but for me in particular, I could pretty easily trace back some ideas and things that we've implemented over the past, over the past few years and actually put a dollar figure on some of those. 
not necessarily to say like, hey, like, look, I saved the company $1 million. Therefore, I want you to pay me 900000 of that. But for me to actually look at it and say like, whoa, like this idea actually did save the company a million dollars. And this other idea saved the company another $500,000. Like it definitely made it easier for me to sort of convince me of my worth in the process, because these were all ideas that I'm pretty confident if I wasn't working there, that, that nobody else would have necessarily came up with them. As I'm listening to you recount this story here, what's really standing out, maybe even more than it ever has before, even though this is something of like me and my team have done a lot, is that most of what made this work on the side for your employer or on the side for you is about psychology. It's those things that got you to realize how much you were actually worth. It's those things that got your employer to be open to talking about this in a different way than they might have. It's all of those little psychological pieces rather than the proposal. I mean, the proposal, you did a great job in the proposal. When we ended it, it was still like what I would say far from perfect. It was a really good proposal, but it was still far from perfect. We could have spent, I don't know, 20 or 50 more hours on it to really get the tiny last little bits into perfection, right? But really those didn't actually matter. It was much more about those other pieces of the process. Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, being able to word things in the sense that made my boss feel like we were we were going to work on this problem together versus just saying, give me this or I'm leaving. Saying, give me this raise or I'm going to leave. It puts everybody in a standoffish mode and that's not really the best place for everybody to be at. But being able to word it as, look, like I'm qualified for all these other jobs and I could go get them today, but I don't want to. Like I want to say here, here's what I'd like to get paid in order for me to stop looking at all these other job offers and jobs that are available. And here's what I want in order for me to continue with my career here and sort of stop focusing on other opportunities. And how can we make that happen together? Like that was, that was really powerful because it, like you said earlier, like it puts them in problem solving mode and it, it sort of takes the threat away, which is, you never want people to feel like they're cornered and they need to do this or else because that that just that's just not a great way to approach you, to approach any anything in life. It doesn't always feel very good either if you if you do. Yeah. Uh, in the situations where I have done that in the past, and even if the result has been good, it doesn't feel good in the end too. Yeah, exactly. Justin, what as you think about this? For someone else who's in a similar situation to you, where they've got you know a pretty decent track record of performance and they have a great relationship with their boss or the other people who have a vested interest in their success, what advice would you give them if they're interested in renegotiating their compensation, whether it be salary or anything else? I, I think the biggest the biggest thing that you could really that I took away from this process was knowing that you don't need another job offer to actually sort of have leverage. Like leverage could be anything at any time. And even the word leverage is kind of used as a negative, I feel like in some at some times. It's not really that 
that you're being greedy. You're just asking for what you're worth because ultimately you're probably working at your job to make money. Hopefully you like what you do at the same time, but hopefully you're also getting paid what you're worth because that's why people work. Hey, many of the stories that you've heard on the podcast are from listeners that have decided that they want to take action. And they've taken the first step of having a conversation with our team to try and figure out how we can help. And if you want to implement what you've heard and you want to completely change your life and your career, then I would invite you to do the same. Let's figure out how we can help support you. So here's what I would suggest. Just open your phone right now, go to your email app, and I'm going to give you my personal email address, scott at happentoyourcareer.com. Just send me an email and put conversation in the subject line. And when you do that, I'll make sure you get to the right person on our team and you can have a conversation with us. We'll try and understand your goals and what you want to accomplish in your career, no matter where you're at. And we can figure out the very best way that we can help you in your situation. So open that up right now. Drop me an email, put conversation in the subject line, Scott, at happentoyourcareer.com. Here's a sneak peek into what we have coming up in store for you next week. You start to think in a certain way where it's like, oh, I can't do that. I've only been doing this for 15 years. Like I can't, or however many years it is, you know, I don't have the skill set to go over here. Yet when you really break it down, you're like, that's kind of been at the core of what you've been doing. Maybe not a hundred percent exactly, but if you distill it down to those skill sets or those strengths, you're like, wow, it's been there the entire time. So many of us assume that if we want to switch to more fulfilling work, that means that we need to switch companies or industries, or we need to drastically change. We need to do a 180. We need to do something that is completely different. But it turns out that's not always the case. Sometimes the best path to career fulfillment can actually be found in your current organization. All that and plenty more next week right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios. I'm out. Adios.